I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there. Camp Crystal Lake is jinxed. Got a death curse. Some folks claim they've even seen him right in this area. Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing on this mess? The girl who survived that night at Camp Blood, that Friday the 13th, she claims she saw him. Boy, is he dead too? We didn't find any boy. Then he's still there. And if he's still there, that means we are still here on the hunt. I am Chris. I am also Chris. Still not Chris. What the fuck? We've only been at this for seven weeks now, and you can't change your love. Dedication is all we're asking for. I I have yet to be Chrisified. Christened. Christened. I like it. Yeah. See, that's why. That's why they. That's why this is the highest-rated show on the Talk Nerdy to Me podcast network because we come up with stuff like that. It's an all-new episode, all-new entry into the Friday the Thirteenth special series. We're here celebrating forty years of terror at Camp Crystal Lake. This is week seven, entry number seven, where we discuss Friday the Thirteenth, the New Blood, and. This is this is going to be interesting because um, uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, first off, I'll give a little bit of uh, backstory behind it. Uh, first of all, uh, the movie made nineteen point one million dollars on a two point eight million dollar budget, so it actually made a decent amount of money. Uh, originally uh, filmed under the the name Birthday Bash. Um, that was so that they could sign people without realizing it was the seventh entry in Friday, the Friday, the 13th series. Uh, the intro, if that voice sounded familiar in that intro, uh, the very beginning of the movie where it kind of summarizes what's going on. Um, that was read by the actor who played crazy Ralph from the first two. If you were unawares, uh, also we've talked a lot about how the movie looks. Uh, or how all of these movies look based on where they're shot. This is the first movie to take place uh, not in New Jersey, not in California, not in Georgia. They moved everything to Alabama. So in kind of the swamplands of Alabama, this is also the first Friday the 13th movie that needed an alligator wrangler on set at all times. Need, need, (laughs) really need. (laughs) Uh, if i was an actor i would want an alligator wrangler that's all i'm saying well this this show has to have a co-round wrangler oh god that's true (laughs) that is absolutely true uh this was the first movie um where they actually tried to do um where the the rumor came up of freddy versus jason um, when they threw out a bunch of ideas, uh, then the idea kind of came, uh, to 
Jason versus Carrie from the Stephen King novel. Um, uh, it's an, it's an interesting take, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it, 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 we're finally back to Camp Crystal Lake again, uh, after being, um, we see that it's now referred to as Crystal Lake, uh, and not Forest Green, like part six. Uh, well, apparently they were like, okay, the name change didn't work. Go yeah, back. Yeah. They're just like, ah, screw it. Uh, who back, really cares? Back, back it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what they and, did. And, and apparently we're back to the swamp area of, of, uh, Crystal Lake that we saw in what part two or three yeah. was it where there was very swamp like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, as, uh, after, the disappointing fan response to part five and the disappointing ticket sales of part six. Uh, the Friday, the 13th series was kind of on a downward trend that would continue. Um, and uh, nightmare Elm street was kind of, um, well, was, was at that point grossing almost double what the Friday, the 13th movies were doing. So, uh, they could the, the the two companies uh Paramount who owned the Friday the 13th stuff and New Line who owned Nightmare on Elm Street they just couldn't come to an agreement uh probably because New Line saw that they were on the increase and Paramount was on the decrease uh so uh an associate producer we can blame Barbara Sachs um fuck you Barb uh well, Barbara Sachs had a had an idea where a corporate land developer covered up the previous uh, incidents and tried to, was going to try and build uh, condos hmm. on Crystal Lake. Uh, but Frank Mancuso Jr. did not like the idea, um, and Daryl Haney. The screenwriter, his quote was, there's always a teenage girl who's left to battle Jason by herself. What if that girl had telekinetic powers? So fuck you, Daryl Haney. So we really want to say. Yeah, after hearing Barb's idea, I feel like I need to retract my fuck you, Barb. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, um Haney stated that, um, you know, uh, Barbara Sachs, apparently with her idea, uh, wanted, uh, wanted her, her idea was more, uh, like she wanted it to be unlike any other Friday, the 13th movie. She wanted it to win an Academy award. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, good luck with that. But, um, also the first appearance, we'll get to it in that section, but the first appearance of Kane Hodder as Jason. So, uh, a lot of firsts in this one. This one is a, a, a landmark Friday the 13th for several reasons, but with it being shot in Alabama, with it being shot somewhere totally different, how did you guys feel about the production and the production value? Uh, as far as production value, uh, uh, overall, I thought it looked it looked decent, you know, production wise. Uh, 
pretty pretty much kind of still middle of the road with the the rest of the production uh as far as you know look and feel i guess uh i did note that they uh in the recap at the beginning they uh they added i, I guess a deleted scene from the previous movie cuz you actually get to see the knife throw that kills the 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 deputy that happens off camera in the previous movie Oh yeah, yeah. From, uh, from oh, the last yeah. one, that's right. Uh, so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, young Tina, you know, at the beginning, yeah, uh, looks a lot like Carol Ann from the Poltergeist movies. <laughs> she really does. Yeah, yeah. You're know, wrong. Uh, Poltergeist three was uh, actually came out the same year as this did. So I don't know if that was anything. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe uh, I don't know if that might have influenced it at all. Very possible. We know that uh, the Friday the Thirteenth series is not necessarily known for its originality. <laughs> uh, well, you mean Nancy, who keeps having nightmares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And speaking of nightmares, I, I'm sorry, but the mom in this movie felt a lot like a Nightmare on Elm Street mom. The mom in this movie also had a hairstyle that was a fucking nightmare. Her eyebrows, her eyebrow game was strong, though. She did not come to play with her eyebrow game. That's just a fact. Uh, we also have, uh, for the first time, there is uh, the director is also the same person who's doing the special makeup effects. Uh, so kind of interesting and, and here's, here's how, uh, well, I I got so much stuff that I got to save it for other, other sections because, uh, there's a lot of background about Kane Hodder, but, um, the director and, uh, John Carl, I guess, Buchler, I guess is how you would, uh, Pronounce his name? I don't know. Buechler. 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 Yeah, I don't know. He's uh, he, all of his interviews are are interesting in the fact that uh, um, you know he he really wanted this movie to be like all out on gore, all out on because he he was a a makeup an effect guy at heart, so. This one, we'll, we'll get into it in the gore effects, but this one is probably the one that is most cut by the MPAA, famously. Um, yeah. It is, uh, yeah, it, it, every single kill has at least a little bit of cuts to it. So, yeah, uh, and, and it shows, um, but we'll we'll get there. Uh, yeah, but Baldwin County, Alabama is where they decided to go. I don't know why. Um, but, uh, the movie, uh, the movie prison, uh, 1987 is the movie that you're looking for. If, uh, you want to see how Kane Hodder got the job, uh, because John, John Carl did special effects on that movie and Kane Hodder was in it and he remembered Kane Hodder from that movie. So, um, if you want to go back and watch something to uh, to see how Kane Hodder became or got the role of Jason, go watch uh, Prison. 
um, if uh, Kane Hodder was a character, uh, his uh, a prisoner who was executed in the electric chair and uh, rises from the grave. So hmm. uh, there's a whole backstory about uh, Kane Hodder wanting to do a bunch of extra gross stuff um, and uh, all of that. So uh, he was very, uh, very fresh on the mind. Um, so that was because CJ Graham, who was in part six, uh, wanted to come back. Uh, and he was ready to come back and he had all these ideas. He had new ideas to, uh, to kind of advance the Jason character and, um, he was not chosen. So, um, yeah, Buchler actually chose Kane Hodder over CJ Graham from part six. Yeah. Fuck you, CJ. So, um, because, uh, CJ Graham has gone on record as to say that he wanted to, uh, kind of be like, uh, Boris Karloff and Frankenstein's monster and kind of be synonymous with Jason. And unfortunately that kind of became Kane Hodder. So, yeah. uh, kind of interesting that he got beaten out by the guy that would become the guy that would, when you think of Jason, most people think of the guy that replaced him. So, but uh, well, before we leave production yeah, yeah. value, real quick, if that's okay, there there are two aspects in in this movie that really just kind of threw me for a loop. Okay, uh, when I was when I was watching it, it, it one is, um, I've never seen anybody chop wood effectively with a machete before. <laughs> <laughs> And it occurred to me that all throughout the the, the the Friday the 13th series, who keeps bringing machetes? A tool specifically designed for an overgrown jungle environment into a forest environment. Yeah, well, and then trying to force use it for something that it is absolutely definitely not designed for in the slightest. Like, yeah. It's not even that it's not designed for, but like that it's not effective in the slightest for doing what you want to do with it. Now, but I, I got to hand it once again. I'm going to mention the Foley artist because that machete chopping wood sounds <laughs> just like an axe splitting wood beautifully. Like, really? Okay. Okay. Sure. Cool. And then we get to the end of the film and apparently just a standard free flowing fire builds up enough compression in a house quickly enough to cause the whole house to explode. Yeah. Well, uh, with her mind, she's able to turn on all the stove, all the pilot lights on the stove and turn up the gas real high, I guess. Um, I'm still not thinking you're going to get that kind of compression, especially no. with most of the windows open. So uh, I also want to touch on one thing for the production of this movie. Yeah. Um, this movie apparently breaks the space-time continuum because it's 88 minutes long, but it feels like three goddamn days. <laughs> oh, God almighty. Yeah, this this movie somehow, it, it feels like a lot longer than it really is. Yeah. It's somehow, I don't know how, but it does. It feels like a long-ass movie. Uh, I don't I don't know how. Because it should go, you would think it goes pretty quick because 
your only real job is to introduce the characters and start picking them off one by one. But instead, it's it takes forever. That it does. Uh, I actually looked at it, and uh, I don't know if this covers production or story, but whatever. We'll go ahead and touch on it. Yeah. Jason and Tina are not face-to-face until an hour and five minutes into an hour and 28-minute and 15-second movie. (sighs) Just one of the many problems with this movie. Yeah. There are several. Yeah. Uh, Okay, now which would you rather rather watch? Um, This movie again or that sci-fi movie that Eddie is describing? That what is it like that Glornak thirteen or whatever the shit? Oh, one of his 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 next short story that he never gets a chance to yeah, write. Yeah, yeah, that he's like, oh no no, on a planet wherever, blah blah blah, and he's like reading through the thing, like yeah, oh god, I would rather listen to that. Uh, Eddie, Eddie's movie. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, uh, I, I think so. And it they, uh, <laughs> Eddie's the one with like the camo pants and the the jacket, kind of. Seems yeah. a little conspiracy theory esque. Yeah, the only the only character I liked in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I so, thought uh, I, th- I thought uh, and we and we haven't gotten to characters, uh, but I, I think I, th- I thought Robin was pretty hot. But the red haired yeah. chick. Oh yeah, red haired chick. She she was pretty. Um, uh, is that is that the little the little, the little nerdy geeky girl? No, that, uh, no, she's the one that like that that tells that girl that she needs a touch up. Okay. Uh, okay. She, yeah, she, she was. Uh, by the way, if you want to watch her at her uh, her peak acting ability, uh, look up a movie called Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity. And, okay. Uh, um, you'll thank me. That's all. That brought this show to a screeching halt. Um Well, I started typing. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's cool. Uh, you can type with one hand. Um yeah, uh, this movie, like, it looks – here's the thing. Okay, you go back and you watch the first – I would even say the first three. The first three have a, a certain look about them, and I don't know if it's they're just – they're not as dark or they're not as – you know, th- there's something about them where they look different than four, six – and definitely seven. Um, and I and I know it's not just oh well they shot the first two in you know New Jersey Connecticut wherever and then everybody else like the third one was California and um, so like I get it like like it's not just that though but like the way that they're shot and the shots that they use like in the first couple we were talking about oh my gosh like the use of shadow and the use of light versus dark versus, you know, whatever. And now it's just like they, they throw all of that out the window in the movie is just super dark. And like, even, even the trees and stuff look like a, a much darker shade. Well, um, so in the first ones, and I think we touched on this in, in part six, you get a lot. You don't see Jason on screen much because it's all the way up until Act Three. Jason is pretty much point of view. Um, 
But then uh, you get glimpses of him, but but nothing real definitive. But part six, and then this one to an extent, pretty much throws that out the window. You get a little bit of point of view in this one, but not much. This you know part starting with part six really, and and uh, this one Jason is is fully on screen hunting. We see him a lot. You can tell the the focus starting with part six. Really, if we just kind of skip over part five because it's its own little subgenre thing, but going from four to six, the 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 focus and tone of these movies has shifted from where the, the counselors and the other people are are the characters in the movie. Now Jason is the character in these movies, and everybody else is just there for him to kill. There's 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 no character development. There's no there's nothing other than here's a person you're going to see die in a minute. Well, cause and, and, these, these inherently have that issue because, you know, you can't like, how much can you really develop a character that you know is only going to be in one movie? I, I get that. And, and, and perhaps character development was the, was the wrong word to use there. But like in this one, and I don't mean to shift into characters, but, um, well, hold on. Prematurely. Hold on. Before you switch into that, I mean, I actually, aside from this breaking the space-time continuum, I do have uh, (laughs) something I was going to add to this conversation, and especially, you know, in the comparison to the other ones. So, Scott, do you want me to interject before you proceed and move on to, like, a character? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Um, You know, it's the comparison I made when talking about the, especially the first one, and you you can even carry it over to two and three. Uh, Like, the comparison I can make is to, like, a punk band or like a metal band who does a very garage record sound on their first couple albums to try and like have a rough and tumble, like indie, but like, you know, like a rough and tumble, like indie style feel, feel to it. And like the first ones feel low budget, especially even like after I think what three is when they really started to gain traction and popularity. Yeah. Like, even three, where they are, you know, seriously, like, sought after and stuff, still felt kind of, I don't want to say, like, guerrilla filmmaking, but, you know, it, 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 it felt like you were watching something special and something that was, like, it felt like you were watching a labor of love, not just sitting down and watching a movie, you know? Yeah. No, I get that. It felt, yeah, it felt like you were watching something made, like, by people who genuinely cared about it. And then, like, by the time you get here, it's kind of what Scott was saying. It's like the tonal shift changes, you know, you don't ever really give a shit about a lot of people on screen because you're just like, oh, no, here's this movie's cannon fodder. So, yeah. well, and, and I think also part of it is, uh, you know, the first couple movies had, you know, like, trained theater kids who were like really honestly trying and they had fun and it seemed like they were having fun with it. Mm -hmm. And when you get to parts, you know, five, six and into seven and you're picking up, um, you know, just like whatever you're, you're trying to make it on the cheap and it's not like hungry actors looking for work. It's like, oh, let's just see who we can hire. And yeah, it has a very like polished, slick, like Hollywood look to it. Whereas the first few, you're right, are like 
down and dirty and kind of grungy, like we're just trying to like guerrilla film make a movie. Well, you know, and, and then now by this point, you shifted into that that new uh, that that Hollywood, you know, veneer that's been applied to it and stuff. And everybody's they're trying to sell Jason. They're not trying to sell Friday the Thirteenth anymore. They're trying to sell Jason, and so that's what they want to see. That's everything, and everything else just gets left by the wayside. And keep in mind, by the point by the time we get to this one, it's now nineteen eighty seven. So, you know, eight years has passed since the making of the first one. Seven years has passed since the release of the first one. So audience taste has changed. The The landscape of cinema has changed in that seven years. So there are different expectations. You have other – you have, uh, you know, several Nightmare on Elm Street movies. You have several more Halloween movies. You've got – you know, a bunch of other copycats that have come out. So, you know, the, the, the expectations, the approach and everything is totally different by this point. I can agree with that. And and I'm by no means trying to defend it because wait till we get to my rating, but um, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not trying to defend it and I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just like, as I'm trying to, you know, explain mostly to myself why the expectations should be different. I mean, look no further than uh, now every, every time that we do one of these, the, before I watch the actual movie, I watch the trailer. I'll watch the trailer first and then I'll watch the actual movie. And like the, the first couple trailers, versus the last couple trailers that we've watched shows just how different the approach to this movie is because you know the first couple the the like one and two the trailers for one and two are very very similar i don't really like them uh i think my my favorite trailer is the trailer for part three because it has one of my favorite lines of any trailer where it says uh you know getting away for the weekend to the woods is very relaxing except these are Jason's woods. And then, like, that's when he like comes through the window in part three. And it's, it's an awesome, like that trailer's fantastic. Um, but the, tra- it shifts from the first two movies are like trying to keep that mystery who done it going. And then by the time you get to three, four, five, six, the focus of the trailers is Jason's back. And, Jason, 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 Jason. So that that shift, you know, is evident in the trailers, evident in how they market the movie. So you're right. It, like the approach to that movie is is Jason, 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 Jason. Mm-hmm. So, and it shows in everything. Um, and you'll notice by our ratings that that's not necessarily the best course of action. Um, but. Before we get to any other sections, we have one of our favorite sections to go because it has one of the best audio accompaniments of all time because it is the music. (laughs) 
we have the music for part seven, A New Blood. <sighs> Aside from the Harry Manfredini score, which by this point, sorry, The New Blood, whatever. Articles count, I guess. Um, I'm, I, the, the Harry Manfredini score for me is a bit tired at this point. Yeah. It's literally the same cues over and over and over and over again. Um, it's not, he's not really doing anything different. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's the same thing. You're not saying you're angry. You're just disappointed. Yeah. It's just like, uh, come on. Um, but there are at least three songs. One, two, three, four, five songs. Uh, performed by a band called FM, which I had never heard of before then. Uh, and never heard of since then. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they had a bunch of, a bunch of songs that were playing that I didn't really pick up on. So Scott, I was with you on this one. Uh, yeah, I don't remember any of them. So yeah, I, I couldn't tell you where any of them played. At one point in time, they are in the house talking. I couldn't tell you what the song is, but like there's a radio in the background. I was like, oh, this is the first time I've noticed it's not the score. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, a, a band called FM, they actually released a vinyl of the soundtrack. I'm sure it's as forgettable as we think it is. Uh, <laughs> no real offense to them, but I, I don't think the movie really gave any other music. Like with part six. You know, it was uh, the music, the non-score music had a chance to had a chance to be heard and had a chance to kind of, um, you know, play out like you had uh, where they were driving in the RV with Teenage Frankenstein or you had like they're unloading the car and Man Behind the Mask is playing. Um, they're driving in the car uh, from the getaway uh, like like they're trying to get away from the cop barricade and there's a song playing. Um, there's uh, Hard Rock Summer is playing. So, you know, there were natural points for non-scored music to kind of be heard and kind of, kind of, you know, play out. But in this one, there's nothing. There's no chance for any other music to really breathe and kind of play. Which I thought was disappointing. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because I think having having known songs or having music that's not the score, I think added a lot to part six. And I think not having it takes away from part seven. Because I think there's something fun about, you know, a a a high octane scene, like a, a high energy scene with like an upbeat, whatever song playing that kind of gets you adds an extra element to it. And instead we just get more of the score every time. So a little disappointed with that, but uh, I wouldn't even say a little, <laughs> I just go ahead. Sorry. I just didn't think there was really a lot or honestly like anything that really 
This movie is so actively bland. I think that's what helped makes it like that's part of what makes it so bad. Um, except for there are a couple things that stand out, and we'll talk about those. But like, especially, you know, if it's the same, not tired because you know, like it worked in the first few times, but uh, like. It's, it's what you said about, like, Teenage Frankenstein and, like, the other songs playing. And, you know, we'll get to the soundtracks that I really enjoy uh, in a few weeks. But, <laughs> um, dude, I mean, it is just, like, everything in this movie is working against it. And nothing stands out, including the music. Ooh, baby. Ooh, right, it's baby. no ooh baby, and it's no uh, man behind the mask, and it's no uh, any of that. It's you're right. Like it, it, this is the first point where like I can I would understand if like this movie blends into others for people. Yeah, like if they're like, oh, was that like which part was that? Because like you know, there's definitive scenes and things from each movie that you can pick out until you get to this like this one just feels very generic it it the the word that kept popping into my head the entire time i was watching this movie was pedantic and, and pedestrian i'm like could, yeah. could this movie be any more of a washout completely for me, it was all about the, the, the kills and the, the, the gore and everything. So, because I don't notice the music in the first place. But yeah, I think I, I think after um, you know, I, I think part six is guilty of this too. In that, at this point, and it's not really the movie's fault. It's just this point in the series. You know, y- you know what you're getting into, and you're rooting for Jason, and you just want to see the fun kills. Like you're not in it for like the first couple movies. You're like you, you, you connect with some of the, at least one or two characters that you're like, Oh, I, I would be okay if they lived. Like I'm kind of pulling for them. Now it's just like, Oh, I wonder how he's going to kill that guy. Oh, I wonder how she's going to get it. Well, even, even when it comes to the, 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 the fun and interesting kills, first of all, there's, there's very few, actual fun and interesting concepts in this one. And, and the ones that do fall short a lot, like badly. So, and, and some of that is, you know, the, the MPAA cut a lot. And some of it is the way that they're written and the way that they are presented. And, um, as you can tell now we have seamlessly transitioned to gore effects or special makeup effects and kills. Um, because there's nothing else in the music section. Um, cause it's boring. Yeah. And this one is, is notable because I think this is where Jason has the most number of instruments of death. Uh, he has more, more tools to play with than any of them so far. He does come up with uh, a a lot of different weapons over and over. And like, there are some kills that are like, Oh, that's great. But I also found myself remembering the kills being a lot cooler than they were. Uh, And and I know Scott, you didn't have that luxury because this is literally the first time that you've ever seen it. But like, I remember 
the kills. Like I remember um, the guy that I lovingly call uh, Coochie Face, uh, Coochie, uh, because he gets the uh, the uppercut axe to the face and it splits his face oh, from yeah. the vagina. Uh, yeah, and uh, so I remember that one being cooler than it was. I like I remember a lot of them actually being better in my mind. Like I remember um uh Maddie, the the girl that needs the touch up. Uh her death, I remember that being better than what it was because it was actually kind of disappointing. Well, she, um, she it, it actually happens off camera. Yeah. It cuts right before anything happens at all. In fact, the, the given the position of his arms at the cut, I thought she got the hook through the abdomen. But then in the one gore scene we get in the movie, which I, I call it the discovery shot, we see that she gets it around she gets it across the throat. So because his hand was nowhere near her throat when he came through. No, with it was not. Um, but we do have one of the most iconic kills in the entire franchise in this one. Um, and actually, we have a couple that are very memorable. Um, there's a lot to pick from when you're picking your your favorite kill. But before we get there, um, again, John Carl Buechler had was in charge of special makeup effects, and he does a an adequate job. I think it's not it's not my least favorite when it comes to special makeup effects and kill selection. Um, but it's got it's got a couple imaginative kills. Uh, it's got, and we'll talk more about it in characters. But uh, the Doctor Cruz holding Tina's mom, yeah, as a human, human shield. shield. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so like you've got stuff like that where um, you know where and he kills with the uh, the giant like extender saw weed whacker thing, which is pretty sweet. Um, yeah, but there's, there's, there's no blood in no, that. No, there's not. It's, it's actually like, and especially if you go back and you watch uh, some of the nightmare on Elm streets and the Halloweens at this time that were released at about the same time. Yeah. This one is fairly bloodless. Comparatively yeah, there's, there's speaking. very little blood. Comparatively speaking, it is on the low end. And I don't know if that was just because, the Friday the 13th series at the time was kind of like public enemy number one when it came to cuts and uh, MPAA cuts and that, and that type of thing. Um, but yeah, it, uh, for a movie and here, here's my other disappointment is for a movie that's, that's as light on the blood as it is. It's also not that heavy on the nudity. It's There's not heavy couple... on nudity, drug use, or profanity for a movie that skimps on the gore. Yeah, like it's got you've got a couple you've got a couple shots of nudity, but for the most part, it's pretty tame on that as well. So, uh, it's not it, it's not the movie it, it's not the Friday the Thirteenth movie that I think is the closest to being rated PG thirteen. We haven't gotten to that one yet, but um, it's. It's pretty tame on the R rating, I would say. I would say it's extreme. I don't know how this didn't get a PG thirteen rating. <laughs> I mean, maybe the maybe the the nudity. Um, I guess would give it the R rating in the eighties. I, I don't know, um, but 
as far as gore and kills, I mean, Friday the 13th, I'm sorry, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street at the time, uh, is, is leaps and bounds uh, uh, beyond what we're getting for, for gore and blood and everything in this movie. Um, and even a couple of the kills. Uh, there's at least two kills in this that, that don't make sense to me at all. Like, completely. He's just, just not even worried about blood or anything. It just doesn't make sense. One of them, I'm, I'm, you've hinted at, but you haven't actually brought it up yet, is one of the, the more creative kills. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder for best kills, but we'll go over all the other great kills after we do that. Uh, to give you uh, to give you a, a frame of reference, um, <laughs> Friday the 13th, Part 7, came out May... Friday, May 13th. It's one of the few that actually came out on a Friday the 13th in uh, 1988. So it wasn't 87, it was 88, my bad. Uh, so Friday, May 13th, 1988. A year before that, in February of 1987, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors came out. And if you remember some of the gore from that's, Dream that's Warriors. That's got great gore. Like so, a year earlier, Dream Warriors came out with that level of gore, with the with the uh, the the puppeteering. With oh yeah, the puppeteer, yeah. Like that's pretty graphic, pretty gory. Um, And then you go a a little over a year later, and the uh, Friday the Thirteenth series has this one. So just to show you how close they were released, it was just about a year. It was February of 87 to May of 88. Um, And there you have the difference in special makeup effects and and gores. Yeah. Now, the one shot that we get, the, the, the discovery shot in the woods, you know, where she comes across, like, what, three or four of them? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the the biggest gore that we get in this, and the the actual makeup effects they look great for the seven seconds you get to see them on screen. You know, I mean, for that one shot, they look decent. Uh, it's, it's decent makeup effects. But that's all you get. Yeah, it's just a little bit of a tease. So, best kill. What do you think is the best kill in the movie? And then we'll talk about the others that could have made it. <sighs> I'm going the, with the cliche one on this one. Ah, going with the classic. All right. You gotta, you, you gotta go sleeping bag. Yeah. You just absolutely positively have to. No, 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 no. <laughs> God, no. No, absolutely. God, no, no. So we, we were, I was, I was, I was watching <sighs> this movie today. No, I'm sorry. I was God. watching this movie. And we get to the sleeping bag kill. Hey, and just wake, me, wake me up when he's done. <laughs> Actually, no. You can thank you can thank the real Commander Cox for this one because she pointed it out. Uh oh. And we rewound it and watched it. She's in the sleeping bag. He grabs her by the head of the sleeping bag, slams her against the chair or the tree. He hits her knees. How is she dead? <laughs> the tree impacts at her knee line. Not her head. How is she dead? Maybe a broken leg. Okay, cool. Not dead. 
Fun fact, in extreme cases, if you break your femur, your body does not know how to react to that level of pain, and your brain just shuts down and dies. Maybe that happened. I don't think so. No. That would be way too technical for this movie. This movie, who has a house exploding from a regular house fire. He hits her knees. He doesn't even swing her head side into the tree. He doesn't even stop and reverse his grip. Her knees. What is it? Her knees. Sorry, still can't hear you. The knees, man. The knees. <laughs> we'll um, we'll just say that they took the the worst of the because in the beginning that kill was like four hits against the tree and then they cut it they kept cutting it down every time they sent it to the MPAA till finally it was just one see now now if yeah okay if if he'd hit her you know that that first one and then he you know picks it back up and maybe swings from the other side and then again and again and again uh then I could probably see hey that would be an awesome kill but one whack eh, knees Knees, man, knees. Well, it's still my favorite, and you can go fuck yourself. Uh, yeah. Now, I, I can't argue with that. If it's your favorite, it's your favorite. Okay. Wrong, but it's your favorite. I don't know, man. You you really enjoy part six, and that movie is dick, so. Oh. <laughs> Compared to this, it's a damn masterpiece. Fair, damn. valid. Yeah, he's, he's not wrong, but. But comparing two shitty movies doesn't make either of them good. <laughs> That's true. Very true as well. That's very true. Scott, what's your favorite kill in this movie? In all honesty, my favorite kill of this movie was uh, the party favor through the eye. Damn it, you took mine. Oh, God, I love that party favor through the end. But mainly because, so he just shoves it in. But 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 mainly because of the squeak, the chew yeah. toy squeak. Like, <laughs> Crystal Lake Memories has a great, if you watch the part seven Crystal Lake Memories um, feature, they talk about how important it was to add the little, the little toot, the little boop sound into yeah, it. it yep. It's so perfect, and it cracks me up every time. Yeah, but it also like even, it, go, go ahead. I was to say, even though that scene, that scene killed me because you know the, he and the, the old dude and his girlfriend there, they're in the van, they're they're having a grand old time, and you know Jason interrupts them, and uh, so they 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 turn around and open the door because they think it's Michael. They yell surprise, and of course nobody's there, and so old dude reaches for his shirt. He starts putting his shirt on, and then he immediately gets out of the van, and he's got pants and shoes on. Like, I, I, when were you were you humping with the pants and shoes on? Uh, man, he just had them pulled down, man. Sometimes you got to hump, you got to hump. Yeah, I guess it's possible, but damn, he don't have time to Phrase take his that pants. Just came out of my mouth. Yeah, he, uh, he don't got to hump. You got to hump. He doesn't have time to take his pants all the way off because when the when it calls you, when the moment calls, you just got to answer. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's the kill that makes me it simultaneously makes me laugh and makes me cringe at the same time because it it's like eye related stuff is 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 gross anyway. Mm-hmm. But but then hearing it, hearing the little is so funny that I'm like I laugh but then I'm also like Ugh, it's it's gross. Um I don't even want to talk about that scene from Zombie. 
Ugh, eye stuff just makes me cringe. Uh, but yeah, that one, uh, gotta be my favorite as well. Uh, there's a couple other good ones. There's the, uh, there's the, the, the extender power saw to the gut, which is pretty good. Uh, that, that had so much potential to be an awesome kill. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, he's got it. Um, and well, first of all, you got the whole thing where he starts it. And you think it's a chainsaw. Yep. And it comes out and it's a, I think it's a limb, like a tree trimmer. I, I, I have yet to be able to actually pinpoint exactly what it is. Yeah, but. I've seen it called like four different things. So I'm not exactly sure what the official, you know, a, yeah. a, a official correct thing is. But, uh, yeah. So you, so you, you cut to him with this thing that, you're like, wow, that's different. Okay, and he's running through the woods, and then he then, then, then it, it dies on him, you know. And I'm like, well, that just kind of takes away from the tension. <laughs> uh, and then the old dude falls down, and he just kind of sticks it just a little off screen, and the guy's like, ah, and, and that's it. That's like like the, the most let down, deflated use of a really cool kill tool I've ever seen. Yeah, you get uh, several reaction shots uh, in this one, but uh, um, one of my least favorite in this because I, I, in my mind, this person lived. All right, because we don't actually okay. see her die that I'm aware of. I don't think we see a body show up later, uh, and, and that was um, uh, your 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 cute girl. From, oh yeah, Robin. Yeah. He throws her out of a second story window and she lands apparently quite gently on her knees. Yeah. Uh, I've seen you people know, in uh, the series fall from higher heights and live. So yeah, it's possible. Um, I, I see no blood. I see no broken bones. I see no neck twists. She just lands quite nicely. Uh, so in my mind, my head cannon, she played dead like a good girl. And they got up right away and said, fuck the rest of y'all. <laughs> smart way to do it. Uh, when she sees, she sees him on fire and she's like, later yeah and well and then um right before that scene you got the cat had the cat been locked in the closet the entire movie up to that point because there had been no cat up to that point yeah there there was no there was no cat at all like all of a sudden it was <laughs> like there's a cat uh i imagine that it escaped it was like a neighborhood cat uh that escaped from someone else's house and found its way in there but that's just me i don't know um was there a more satisfying death than Melissa? By oh, the way, is that the, is that the, the blonde haired Karen bitch? Yeah, the, uh, the rich bitch who opens the door. She's like, I'm leaving. And he's standing in the doorway and then, like, gets her, chucks her, and then just moves on. It was, I was, uh, the entire time I was looking forward to her dying, I'm like, I want her to die. Yep. Horribly. Yep. And we get, we get an axe to the forehead. It was good. Um, but it, it's something we'd seen before. I was kind of hoping for, yeah. I was kind of hoping for a little more with her. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of other, uh, just very ineffective off camera kills. Uh, like you see the, you see the results of what happens to Eddie and, um, you know, so you have, you have some off camera stuff, but I think those are the, those are the high well, points. Yeah, the skinny dipping girl just gets drowned. Yeah, she just gets killed. Um, which, which, which I don't get because it, Jason drags her under. 
So, you know, and apparently in a very deep, I guess like four feet off the shore, there's a just a drop off. <laughs> yeah, there is. I don't know why or how, but uh, yeah, why is the dock so high? <laughs> why is the dock so fucking high? Well, because oh. uh, because it uh, it after it collapsed the first time in the very beginning, they had to rebuild it. Maybe for the rainy season, it, yeah. it floods a little bit. I guess the uh, lake, the lake floods real bad. The lake floods. <laughs> the lake floods real, real bad. And then because at some point it doesn't um, like if it rains too much and it doesn't properly uh, flow into Manhattan, uh, it can back up. <laughs> it can back up real bad. Um, it can. It can. Yeah. Yeah. Water management's a bitch, man. Let me it, tell you. It sure shit is. Uh, which we, um, we've already uh, uh, started talking about it, so I guess we can just go ahead and roll right into um, uh, the various characters and the first appearance of Kane Hodder. You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. As the man behind the mask. Jason Voorhees. We'll get to his performance as Jason in just a minute. But how did everybody enjoy Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's as Dr. Cruz? Dude, that dude is a fucking creep. <laughs> I love him in everything he does. It's one of my favorite but he is a fucking creep in this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Completely. Oh, he's, 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 a, he's a bad doctor in this movie. Uh, but, yeah, he is, uh, he is Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, then you have a bunch of nobodies who have, I don't think had ever really been in much of anything before. There's no real like known name actors as any of the teenagers or anything. Um, you had, this was the, this was one of the first movies that we had where everybody was so one dimensional and you were just like the, the character archetype. Mm-hmm. Like you were the sci-fi nerd, you were the black guy, you were the handsome guy, you were, you know, the 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 party girl, you were the nerd girl. Uh, like you had, you were one dimension. You had the rich guy. Uh, you you were one dimensional, and you had zero character development at all. Yeah, uh, well, and like I said. Earlier, I, I think character development might be the wrong word because yeah. I mean, you said yourself that there's no real development there's in any none. of them. Because, but um, but but there's there's nothing before the characters, even though you know they're going to get killed, they're personable. There, there's 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 aspects of their personality that sets them apart and actually makes them a character and not just a body. And here you you don't have any of that. They're just a body. Oh, yeah, it's not even close. Like, nobody has any kind of character arc or anything except for maybe the closest thing you get is um, uh, Maddie, who gives herself a makeover and tries to prove that she's not the the nerdy girl, that she's actually a pretty girl. And that that is like the the barely it's barely a character arc. Yeah. And then she says she looks in the mirror and she says that weird ass line. Touch up you know, my ass. Yeah, 
Need a little touch-up work, my ass. After she gives herself a complete fucking makeover. <laughs> like, well, obviously you did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I just, and it's it's what you guys were just touching on. Like, there was nothing in, like, there was not a single character in this movie that was like, I genuinely care about them and their well-being. This is literally just cannon fodder for death counts the movie and the only character I even remotely liked was Eddie because he was fucking weird. <laughs> he, he, he seemed like he would be really, really, really into, uh, um, conspiracy theories and like hard drugs. Like that's the dude who like, have y'all seen the Sandlot? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the dude who's like, he got really into Vietnam and was never seen again. Like, that's Eddie if he survived this movie. Um, uh, I, I liked Eddie for the most part, the same as you, the best, you know, because especially at the beginning, you know, he's wrapping himself in the gray paper and everything. He's like, I got it. Space mummy. <laughs> yup. Space Mummy, I'm into it, man. Yeah, he's like the but, only one that I would want to hang out with, except for Robin, for other reasons. But, um, yeah, Eddie would be the only one that I would want to, like, hang out with in this movie. But the stoner guy has one of the best lines in the movie. When he's, oh, when he's, when he's dancing with what's-her-name, he says, you know what I like about you? You hardly sweat at all. <laughs> <laughs> What? That is something to look for. It's one of the great lines of the movie. Look for a girl who doesn't sweat. But yeah, it's this one is is hard picking to find a a character that number one you can tolerate, uh, and number two that you know has any kind of any worthwhile performance beyond just being a statistic for the body count. So let's talk about Kane Hodder. Oh, go ahead. Hold on. We, we, we have to touch on one thing that you haven't mentioned yet. Okay. I don't know if you were saving this. Someone has a conversation with the cat. They do. See? Someone has a conversation with an animal. So uh, um, we uh, the the tradition continues. You're right. We're a six out of seven. Didn't know if you were going to bring that up or not. Didn't know if you had that in your notes. Uh, I did. I was. Um, it's, it's okay that you brought that up because uh, it, it does continue the tradition uh, where every movie so far, with the exception of part six, which is why you rated it so low. Uh, it's garbage. That was that was what was missing. Uh, despite several shots of animals in that movie, nobody talked to an animal. Uh, in part seven is the return of a character having a conversation with an animal. So there you go. You are absolutely, absolutely correct, and I'm glad that you brought that up. Thank you. Because. Uh, uh, now see what I, what I've done now is I've had, you guys are now looking for it and noticing it, which is fun. 
It is. <laughs> one of those one of those stupid fun things that I like to see now that I've seen these a billion times, I'm looking at stuff like that in the background. Um stuff that I never noticed before that um I think is fun that like if you're watching it to watch it, you're not gonna really it's not gonna draw your attention. But you know, when you've seen it and like I know all the beats that are coming, so I uh I can look for other stuff. But Kane Hodder as Jason, how does he do? The look is great. Um, <laughs> ever since someone pointed it out, and I think you told me about it, uh, you can tell when it's Kane Hodder because the super squared shoulders. Yeah. And like the menacing kind of like stomp walk. Uh, which is, you know, the exact same thing for all of the Jasons in the Friday the 13th game because Kane Hodder did the motion capture for all of them. Um, so, like, that's all I can think of when I see him now are those squared off shoulders and that, like, stomp walk thing he does. Yeah, he has a way that he carries, like, his arms and the way that he walks that you can pick him out from any of them. Not that it's necessarily a bad thing, but yeah, you can, you can. Well, yeah, for the most part, I, I love the way I love the way Jason looks. Uh, I, I like Kane. I, I got nothing against Kane Hodder as Jason, uh, but uh, he went. I will have to say, he went unmasked way too much in this oh, movie. It was constant, way too much. Uh, I'm sorry, Jason. At this point, and by this point, Jason is synonymous with the mask. We 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 want to see him with the mask. I don't I don't because once the mask was gone, and and we have all that, we have more I guess facial articulation and expression, even though mm-hmm. there's no eyebrows or anything um, that we've ever had with Jason before. All I could see once we got that was the the mummy from the mummy, the Brendan Fraser mummy. He looked a lot like him. I could see that. Um, so you lose the mask. In my opinion, you lose the mask, you lose Jason. Uh, and and from, a, from a filmmaking standpoint, Jason should never be unmasked until he's defeated. And, and you don't even have to do it then. But if you're going to unmask him, that's when he's defeated. Well, he reminded me of um, that, that one from... Um... Uh, Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. If you can, it, like, there's one, and I, I never remember. I know that character has a name, but there's one zombie from Return of the Living Dead that looks a lot like Jason from Part Seven to me. And I'm gonna have to do a, a Google search here real quick. Um, yeah, I he does. Jason spends a ton of time unmasked. Yeah. Way too much. Like she splits that mask and then he's, he's just, he's maskless for the rest of the movie. Um, and yeah, I, I was not necessarily a huge fan of that. Like, cause there is that novelty of, um, this one I'm going to send you this picture and you guys tell me if you think I'm right or not. Um, 
that um like there there is a mystique and a mystery to um Jason having that mask and being unmasked and there you go. All right. Tell yeah. me if you think that image uh you can see why I'm saying. Um but um yeah, I like the I like the kind of rotting decay look that he's got, but I think you know, a little goes a long way. Well, and uh I think this is the first time we get the I call it the supernatural stalk. Because I don't think we ever see Jason run in this one. He's always walking everywhere, and he's able to get ahead of people uh, and and everything. Uh, and you see it very well uh, in, in a in a couple, like when uh, the when he kills the. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I just got the picture. And... Yeah, that that's kind of spot on. Uh, um, tank zombie is but, the one that apparently tank zombie. But when he kills uh, the the one you call Coochie Face, I, I called him Sweater Dude. <laughs> you know, he kills him, and then you know his girlfriend, out uh, the skinny dipping girl, uh, she uh, um, she sees Jason up there on the shore, and she and, and she screams, and then like two seconds later, Jason's in the water with her, and apparently she he's moved fast enough that she hasn't had time to react because she's still looking on the shore. Um. And and then at the end of the film, when the house explodes, you know you've got uh, the the uh, our two main guys, you know the football guy and telekinesis girl. Um, they're out on the dock and they're looking back toward the house. Like literally, their eye line is down the dock, just a little off to the right. And then all of a sudden, Jason's on the dock with them. Do we do we not see Jason walking down the dock at all? Do, do, do we just okay, cool? So I don't get any of that. That yeah. Now he was he was using his shift, bro. He had he, yeah, he had his shift. So I'm saying up. yeah, he had shift charged up, so he was he was using that. He did. He shifted like a mofo yeah, several times. This yeah, movie. he uh, he was shifting like a beast. Uh, I think Kane Hodder portrays Jason well. I think he adds a lot to it. He's just saddled with being in some of the worst Friday the 13th movies there are. Um, Not all of them. We'll get to at least one that I really like, but it takes us a while to get there. Um, But I think he's saddled with a, with several not good movies. Mm -hmm. So I think he kind of, Everybody has their uh, like their soft spot for Kane Hodder, and they're like, "Oh, he's the best Jason because he's been it four times." And it's like, "Yeah, but three of those movies were turds." <laughs> That's true. Like three of them are pretty bad, and one of them is is one of them is a, is out of this world. But but three of them are <laughs> three of them are pretty bad. So like it it. It adds it, it brings up an interesting point of you know, can you separate the Jason from the movie and is a good Jason in a bad movie still a good Jason? Or is he a victim of the movie? And I don't think this is see, I don't know. Like I was about to say I don't know if this is Kane Hodder's best 
performance as Jason, but honestly, I kind of think it is. And I know we haven't gotten to the rest of them. And, and on uh, for Jason X, that's going to be one of my questions is, of the four, which is your favorite Kane Hodder performance as Jason? Um, just, just so you know. Um, but, like, this one's a pretty strong Jason entry, even though the movie itself is not that great. I was happy with his performance overall. There's just some filmmaking and continuity things that, that kind of got me as there always are with this series. Yeah. One of them was, uh, and I think this is the scene that, uh, Koran touched on earlier, uh, about the first time that he and telekinetic girl come face to face. Cause you've three got fourths that, of the way through the movie, three fourths of the way through yeah. the movie. Cause you got that, that almost, you know, gunfight in the old west high noon kind of standoff and and you got it's it's three cuts three quick cuts with with Kane you know he's standing there and he's really far away then you cut to a medium range and you cut to a close up and i like that shot with one exception i like that whole thing with one exception in the first two he's looking down and then you do that last hard cut to a close up and he's looking up and it just it's it's a weird transition. If if that third cut had him still being looking down so that his facial ex- his his head position was consistent all through those shots. And then you cut you do that, you know, mid, you know, that you know far away mid cut, close cut and then he looks up. I think that would have been a much better use of that shot. That's just me. Well, I think you would have done a better job uh, directing this one than what we got. But facts, big facts. And how old were you in eighty eight? Eighty eight. Yeah, you would have been what, like twenty (laughs) three? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, let's let's bring this one home. Let's mercifully uh, end this Ah. one. Let's bury this one (laughs) under uh, a. A fiery house, which, by the way, at the time, it was the longest uh, single shot for uh, a person actively being on fire in a movie. Uh, Kane Hodder held that record for a little while, uh, but it was him. He had the longest sustained burn on camera for a for a a stunt person, which is pretty awesome. That's that's another thing that I don't I don't care for in 80s movies is is the burn stunt. Yeah, that was it was it, everywhere. Well, because it's 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 practical effects, obviously in the eighties and such. The reason I don't like it is because you can always tell that it's either a you know that, that you can always tell the person is like three times bigger than what they are in normal because they've got all the safety padding. Yeah, and it just it always looks bad to me. Agreed. And this one, this one, they were able to hide it a little bit underneath the Jason getup. But yeah, you can still tell. You can still tell. He's, he's still bigger. Yeah. Um, all right. Final analysis. And then out of five, what do you guys got for Friday the 13th, part seven, the new blood? We have yeah. a, we have an established order for this by now. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Scott. <laughs> well, it's only me, the this, seventh this, week. This, we've this done entire it. this entire movie was just like I said, pedantic, pedestrian, washed out, vanilla, uh, 
just just bland as shit. Uh, you know, it's it's like the little communal hosts at a Catholic mass. Uh, there's no flavor at all. Uh, I, I I gave it two and a half stars. That is probably going to be the highest rating this movie gets. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty generous. Uh, all things considered, like that's pretty generous. Because uh, this was this was the first time you had ever seen it. Yep. Uh, so you were going in fresh, uh, and two and a half is what you gave it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no nudity, no gore. Eddie's not nearly weird enough. One machete. Wow. Damn. I, I I don't think I'm going. It's going to be a bit before we get back on the positive side. Yeah, I think with you and me, it's going to be at least uh, probably three more weeks before yep. we get anything really good. Uh, uh, okay, so here's here's the deal: is uh, there was a time where this movie was. I would have said that it was my favorite in the series. And that was, that was admittedly before I had seen them all. Um, it, because it did, it checked, it checked a lot of the boxes. It had, uh, it had a little bit of nudity in it. It had, uh, a scary Jason. It had, uh, interesting and fun kills that, you know, when I first saw them in my, formulative teenage years uh they were like it was it was crazy exciting to see him grab someone in a sleeping bag and slap them up against a tree until they died or shove a party favor in someone's eye um you know it had up until this point some of the most imaginative kills in the series so at one point i would have said this is probably absolutely in the upper half of the series for me what uh, watching it back now uh it took me two times to get through it uh, mm-hmm. because it is so boring for a friday the 13th movie it's tough it's a tough watch like it is a very tough watch despite having you know checking the box in theory uh, the, the nudity is unsatisfying because it's real blink and you miss it. Uh, the kills, mm-hmm. the kills are imaginative, but there's quick cuts and they're not, you don't really get the full satisfaction of it. Uh, I feel like the movie is better when I remember it versus when I watch it. It just leaves me wanting more of everything. The telekinetic gimmick is is unnecessary. The whole plot with her father being in the lake and then coming out and you can't really tell that it's him because they make no real reference to that after like the first 20 minutes. Um, you know, it, they could have done so much more with that and, and have it actually been something worth something. But it's another... Just collide. It's an 88 minute wasted opportunity. Yeah. And so because of that, I have to give this one a two out of five. Wow. You went higher than I thought you were going to. Yeah. I, I can't give it as I, I gave five 
I uh, I think I gave it a one and a half. Um, I gave, yeah, I gave part five a one and a half, and I know it's better than part five. Uh, in my opinion, it's better than part five, so I had to give it at least a little bit better, so I had to give it a two. In, in retrospect, I truly wish I couldn't. Can, can I go? Can I change a rating? Yeah, this is our show. We can, yeah, you can. I'm, I'm honestly lowering part five to half a machete. Oh, to it a is half. Okay. almost unwatchably bad. Okay. Well, there you have it. We will uh, we will not go back and change the audio file, but uh, <laughs> um, but we will. Uh, We'll, we'll we'll just know when you get to this one, know that you can go back and change it uh, on your notebooks, everybody listening. Uh, They're handy dandy notebooks. Yes. So that brings us, uh, Scott with a two and a half, me with a two, Koran with a one, puts the new blood almost... I think that... Because, uh, uh, Scott, you rated part five decently high that's got to be close to an average of the the worst so far i I did but once again i I rated it as as high as i did because uh i have a uh, i have history with the movie i have a connection to the movie i enjoy the movie for reasons outside of its actual production i guess hey you don't need to explain your ratings to anybody you, those are your ratings, and you are entitled to those no matter what. So don't ever feel like you have to uh, justify your rating to anybody else. I want you to explain why you gave it that rating, but you don't have to justify it to anybody. All right. Now, yeah. I don't know, because I know that we're going to get, uh, and we have gotten already, uh, some shit for some of our ratings on some of these, uh, specifically five and six and four. Uh, so just know that you never have to justify your ratings to anybody but yourself. Um, but I don't know about you guys. I'm bored with Crystal Lake. Yep. And I think we need a a a bigger sandbox to play in for the next one. And so we will be back next week, next Friday. And then the Friday after that, never mind, I'm not going to make that joke. I I used to always make that joke. I always used to make that joke that I would say I love the Friday series and people are like, "Yeah, me too." And I'm like, "Yeah, I love Friday. I love next Friday. I love Friday after next." But Friday the 13th is where it gets weird. Um <laughs> but um no, next week we will be back with Friday the 13th part 8 Jason takes Manhattan. You guys like for real do yourself a favor uh before you watch the movie, watch the trailer that's on the disc. Uh okay. because that trailer might be my favorite trailer. Not really of any movie, but like it's probably top 10 trailers I've ever seen. Um, it's got a great tagline. Um, New York has a new infestation problem. Uh, it's, it is a, the, the marketing for it. We'll get into all of that next time. Um, but we've got Friday, the 13th part eight, Jason takes Manhattan. Cause I think we are just about done with the new blood. Thank fuck. 
So uh, make sure to uh, if you if you're having fun with these, and I know uh, you guys are are enjoying listening to them because we've been looking at the download numbers, and they are. Uh, I appreciate everybody. Uh, who's been taking the time to listen to all of these uh, and relive some Friday the 13th memories with us so far. Uh, if you want to hear more of these, if you want to see us do more special stuff, uh, go uh, to patreon.com slash FWB podcast, uh, throw us a couple bucks because uh, that will help us, um, you know, record some more stuff and uh, help us grow and um, uh, help us, you know, just show us that you are uh, liking the stuff that we're doing. If anyone donates $150 with the tag uh, Scott Becomes Chris, we will use that money to help Scott legally change his first name to Christopher. He can be Christopher Scott Cox. Oh, my God, yes. Um, Yeah, Scott, you're cool with that, right? Well, to that, I only have one thing to say. The knees, man, the knees. (laughs) That means yes. All right, it's cool. So he's in. All right. (laughs) So one person, $150, Scott will legally change his first name to Chris. Yep. And uh, until then, if you're talking about us online, hashtag FWB podcast, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tout, Grinder, yeah. Reddit, uh, OnlyFans, uh, <laughs> pretty much whatever, hashtag FWB podcast. Until then, for Chris, Chris, and soon to be Chris, Thank you for being our friends with benefits.